The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 41. Welcome back to the Medical School HQ Podcast, the place to learn how to excel as a pre-med student, learn what it takes to survive medical school, and turn your dreams of becoming a physician into reality. We're bringing you the most unbiased and honest information available online today. My name is Ryan Gray, and as always, I'm excited to host another great podcast for you today. And today, I have another podcaster on with me. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Faye Reef Passaru of the Art and Medicine podcast. And I'm going to actually play a clip of the podcast here for you. And this is from her first episode titled Anatomy, History, and Art. Imagine you're living in Tuscany in the 16th century. You're sitting outside your house in the grass fields. Nearby, maybe there are some vineyards, there are some olive trees. It's pretty rural and it's very quiet. And all you can hear is your heartbeat. And maybe you wonder, why does a heart sound like that? Now, maybe this would just be a passing thought, and maybe you're wondering, does this house come with a wine cellar? But if you had been Leonardo da Vinci, you might have thought, can I figure this out? Now, believe it or not, just because you're a successful artist in Italy, you actually get access to human cadavers, which were really not widely available. But you still have this problem. Those hearts, they don't really beat anymore. So what do you do? So that's the start of her podcast series. And I was blown away with the amount of production that she actually puts into these podcasts. Now, Faye is a third-year resident currently. And... I'll let her tell her whole story, but she's a non-traditional student, and just, it, I would, again, I was blown away with the quality of this podcast and kind of the storytelling that she does and the sound effects that go into it. You just heard it there with the, the heartbeat, and I, I could listen to that over and over and over again. So before we get into that episode, though, I do want to thank the five-star ratings and reviews that were left. And this week, we actually had five. We had one from Sterling32157, Ellen837, Axelrod01, spelled a little differently, uh, ClickTick, and 
J.D. Grove, spelled a little bit differently. Um, J.D. Grove says, excellent resource. Click Tick says, there's nothing. There's none like it. So, uh, again, awesome ratings, awesome reviews. Thank you guys very much. We're up to 70 five-star reviews. It's pretty awesome. I, I am... Uh, amazed, impressed. I'm blown away every day when I see new ratings, new reviews. Uh, very blessed with all you guys out there listening. I appreciate all of you taking the time to leave a review for us. And again, if if you listen to this podcast and you find it useful, you can go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes and leave a generous five-star rating and hopefully a nice review there. And again, as always, the, the, the way iTunes works is the more ratings, the more reviews we have, the more visible we are, and the more students will find us. And I know some of you don't want that to happen, but it's okay. Trust me, it'll, it'll all work out. The other thing I want to talk about is is to have you guys engage with with us. There are a couple different ways to do that. I've mentioned them before. The first way and probably best way is go to the show notes, medicalschoolhq.net slash 41. That's the show notes for this episode, episode 41. And on there, you can leave a comment. You can find all the links to resources and other uh, other stuff that we mentioned in today's podcast and uh, go leave a comment there, and, and we can open up a dialogue. The other way you can contact us through Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash medicalschoolhq, or if you're on Twitter already, our hashtag, our hashtag is medicalschoolhq. No, not our hashtag, our handle is medicalschoolhq. And then you can email me. I am ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes of today's podcast with Faye from the Art of Medicine podcast. We start off the interview by talking about her non-traditional path to medicine. So when I started college, I um, was most interested in creative writing and theater, actually. Um, while I had I had taken science classes in, in high school and I was a pretty good science student. I it, it never occurred to me that I would go into that field at all. Um, and so for the first two years of college, I mostly focused on uh, studying English and French literature and writing a lot and doing theater. Um, and it wasn't until about um, the middle of my second year that I discovered I was really not enjoying that at all. Um, it was it was not exactly what I thought it would be. And I decided that that I wanted to go into a field that was a little less navel gazing and a little less introverted and something that was a little more engaged with the world. And so what that led to um, was a lot of traveling. Um, I uh, sort of switched my major to international development focusing on African development uh, and um, women's health in particular. And I went and I did uh, research on uh, women's public health in Africa. I lived there for several months. Um, I went to Vietnam. I went to South Africa. I spent a lot of time traveling. Um, and I was still very interested in literature and writing and all of those things. It's not that I had 
completely left that aside, but I decided that that wasn't really what I wanted to do career-wise anymore. Um, so I, you know, I'm, that I'm, I, I, can I stop you there? Yeah. I, I want to dig in a little bit more. I, I have a lot of non-traditional students that listen to the show sure. and students that are maybe just dipping their toes in to see if maybe a change of career or change of major is right for them. What what were you going through in your your second year or third year when you decided, you know what, I, this this isn't making me happy? You were still in school at that point. What what were you experiencing that kind of gave you that impetus to change things up? That's a really good question. I I think that uh, when you go to college, you figure that you'll study whatever it is that you enjoy doing, um, but you don't really think about what what job you're going to end up doing with those studies. So for me, I loved literature, I loved writing, I loved theater. Um, but I didn't really give a lot of thought as to what that would mean as a career after college. And, um, while I was studying it, I still enjoyed studying it, but I looked at my professors and I thought, oh, maybe I'll be an English professor. But I looked at what the job of an English professor was and I realized I had no interest in doing (laughs) that. So, which is sort of like a recurring theme, I think, is, is sometimes you can get so seduced by a subject because there's so many fascinating, there's so many things out there that I really enjoy and a lot of things that interest me. But you have to remember that it's different to love something and want to do the job that studying that thing leads to. Uh, they're really different. Um, and so I think I actually, you know, when I got more involved in uh, international development, the same thing happened. I got to the end of college and I thought, oh, I guess I'll work for um, an NGO, a nonprofit. I'll do international development work. Maybe I'll work for the government. Um, But I began to look at those jobs and realized that I didn't really want to do any of those jobs either, Um, that I hadn't given a lot of thought as to what this was actually leading towards. Um, And actually, when I started thinking about what I wanted to do for an actual job, that's kind of how I ended up in medicine, Um, because that was the first time I thought, well, what are the characteristics of a job that I would enjoy doing day in and day out for a long time? And some of those characteristics were something that is very much um, social with a lot of interaction with people, something that is continuously challenging, that's not a desk job, that's not an office job, something that has high stakes, something that's continually intellectually fulfilling. Um And all of these things, when I started to think about it, there aren't a lot of jobs out there that really can give you that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of rare. And so how did you get to medicine? Do you have any family that's involved in medicine? Have you had any kind of prior exposure to medicine? So my parents are not in medicine. I I did have uh, some extended family that were in medicine, but not my parents or siblings. Um, But the way that I first got exposed to it is I was in Cameroon um, and I was actually doing a research project that was it was sort of related to public health, but more uh, actually related to uh, sort of social science and demography. And I was studying uh, women's health choices, particularly ar- around um, family size and demographic transitions in Africa. And to study this, I was at these uh, little health clinics in semi-rural Cameroon. 
And while I was there interviewing women, there were all these women coming in to deliver. And I got to know the nurses and the nurses, because there weren't actually very many doctors there at all. They're mostly nurses. And the nurses would say, hey, do you want to come in and see this? Do you want to come in and see that? And that was actually the first time I'd ever really been in a medical environment. So I watched deliveries and all kinds of procedures and, you know, medical problems that were going on in these clinics. And it was just the most exciting thing I'd ever seen. I just had never experienced anything like that. Um, and for the first time I was like, wow, this is just a incredibly fascinating field that I, it just hadn't occurred to me before to consider. Um, and when I came back in my second year, that sort of was in the back of my head. And over the next couple of years, even though I didn't switch to do anything in medicine at that point, I, I started to think about it a little bit. Um, I actually considered nursing, uh, as well, um, particularly thinking about international health and sort of uh, what I could do in women's health and whether it might make more sense to go into sort of maternal and fetal medicine and nursing. So I, I thought a lot about that as well, or a public health degree, you know, all kinds of different things. But mm-hmm. by the end of my senior year of college, when I really thought about what kind of job I wanted, uh, I, I decided that really nothing was going to be the same as being a doctor, that nothing else had quite the excitement and the energy and the challenge that being a doctor would have. Uh, and so I decided that that's what I was going to do. Unfortunately, I hadn't taken any courses whatsoever to prepare myself. Um, so I decided I was going to do a post-bac program. And and even that kind of <laughs> didn't go in, in quite a straight path at that point. How did you, being uh, not pre-med and really hadn't had your eyes open to any of that, how did you know about post-bac programs? You know, I'm not sure exactly how I learned about it. I never really talked to any of the pre-med advisors at my medical school. Um, And actually, I didn't have any friends who were going into medicine either. Um, But I guess someone must have told me about it or I heard about it. And then I, you know, I, like anyone of our generation, you know, I did research on the internet and I read about it and learned about it. Um, and it, And at that point, it seemed to me that what I needed to do was to do one of these organized post-bac programs where you know, I was going to go and do these intense classes and live there and it was going to be a, a couple of years and then, it, you know, it would get me into medical school. So that's what I thought I was going to do. So around the, uh, towards the end of my senior year, I applied to a post program at Bryn Mawr um, that's very insulated in the sense that you live there for two years. Everything is done there in this sort of small, small college in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And I got in uh, to the program, and I was all set to go. And then, um, and then I made a big change again. Um, so at that point, uh, a lot of my friends were moving to New York, um, and a lot of my friends were still in the arts. So I had a lot of friends who were artists, painters, writers, actors, and they were all moving to Brooklyn. Uh, and this was about two thousand and five. Um, and I decided, you know, I don't need to do one of these. You know, I'm, what was I at the time, 22 years old. I'm 22 years old. I don't need to go to an insular program like that where, you know, everything is sort of together on this campus and, 
you know, they hold your hand. You know, I, I wanted to move with all my friends to New York. <laughs> um, and I thought, you know, why can't <laughs> there must be a place in New York to take these classes? And I'm not sure why I need a organized postback program anyway. I, I didn't you know, when I started to think about it more, I realized there's actually a lot of options out there. And for some people, I think an organized program is absolutely what they need. But for me, I just needed a little more freedom, I think, to do it my own way. And so I dropped out of the – well, I, I never started the program, but I, I told them I wasn't coming. I moved to Brooklyn with my friends, and I uh, started taking uh, my post classes uh, actually at Brooklyn College in uh, in Brooklyn, which is um, part of the – you know, the um, – the city college system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided I was going to take a couple of my classes at Brooklyn College and then to finish up the rest of them at NYU. Uh, and NYU was very different from Bryn Mawr and very different from, I mean, the other one that a lot of people do postbacks at in New York is at Columbia. Mm-hmm. But Columbia is a very, um, a very, uh, how do uh, how do I explain it? Um, it's a program that you very much you apply into. Uh, they sort of dictate what classes you'll take, how long yeah. it'll take, very everything. Structured. Exactly, very very structured. Yeah. And they're they're the first postback program ever in the oh, country. I didn't, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I interviewed them back in session ten. For those listening that haven't heard that one, medicalschoolhq.net slash session ten will uh, bring you to that one. It was a great interview with uh, Dr. Rosner. Yeah. So I, you know, for me, that wasn't quite what I wanted. I I felt like I wanted sort of a little more freedom and flexibility. And NYU's program is completely different. It's not a program where they're going to help you along. They're not going to hold your hand. There's not a lot of mentorship. They're not going to apply for you. They're not going to get you in. But what they are going to do is they're going to allow you to take all the classes you need. They're going to help you get everything done that you need to get done to apply. And they're going to let you do it the way you want to do it on the time frame that you want to do it in. Um, and they, it's, you're sort of on your own. It's a little more independent. It's, it doesn't, you're not really in any kind of organized program. I didn't really know very many people who were other postback participants. I sort of vaguely has recognized a few of them, but generally you're on your own. Um, and so I did that. I took all my classes in a little over a year. So I did a summer at Brooklyn College and then a fall and spring semester at NYU and then another summer. Um, uh, and I had the only class I had taken going into that year was I actually had fulfilled my math credit in college, but everything else I had to take. Um, and for me, it was the right choice because I could live my life according to the, you know, the way that I wanted to live it and have a lot of flexibility to take what I wanted when I wanted and to finish things up in a year. Whereas Columbia, I I think I had to do it in two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, for me, that worked out really well, but obviously, you know, everyone needs something different. Yeah. Um, so I did that. And then I um, had a year that I was in New York um, and I worked at Planned Parenthood for a year. Um, while I was uh, applying to medical school. And then I uh, applied and I went to medical school at University of California, San Francisco. <laughs> All the way across the country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Which is a, a great school. 
yeah, it was it was a great experience. It's a little bit, you know, a lot of people ask me, how did I end up in California, <laughs> you know, from New York? Um, and it's a little bit random as well. I guess that's the theme of my of this interview slash my life. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, you know, basically I had a um, an uncle who lived in San Francisco who was a pediatrician. Um, so he was the extended family that I had. I also have a grandfather who was a doctor. Um and he had gone to UCSF for pediatrics uh, in the in the you know I want to say he graduated around eighty, um, and he still lived in San Francisco. And he was just this huge advocate for the Bay Area, even more than UCSF. He just you know every chance he got, he just told me that I had to move to California, I had to move to San Francisco, um, and so he convinced me to apply, and I didn't think that I would uh, end up going there. I didn't think I'd get in because I was out of state, but somehow I, I, I did end up getting in. Um, and I thought, you know, what the hell, uh, I'll move to San Francisco. Now, let me ask, do you, do you think uh, you obviously had a, a plethora of kind of abnormal extracurricular activities as an undergrad? Do you, yes. <laughs> I, I'm assuming you're going to say that you, you thought that the non-traditional path helped you in that sense. Um, you know, it's hard for me to know whether it helped me in terms of getting into schools. I think it helped me become the person that I am. I, so, but, you know, I don't know what, how it, you know, was, it would have been different had I done things differently. I mean, I did a lot of different kinds of things in college. I worked for, um, public health nonprofit. I worked for a public radio station for a little while, which I guess we'll come back uh, around now um, to that later. Um, I worked for a a presidential campaign, you know, and I, I guess the thing about all those things that I did and the traveling, I guess the, the, the thing I would say about them is I didn't do any of those things because I thought they would help me get into medical school because I didn't know I was going to go to medical school. Um, but I was just sort of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I think that you just have to – I think you can't think too much about what's going to look good on an application because I think the way that you're going to be happy and the way that you're going to end up in the right place is by doing things that interest you, that excite you, that move you in directions you want to go at that time. And I just don't think you should overthink it too much because – you may spend all your time strategizing to do one thing and then find that you don't really want to do that thing at all. So that's, that's the best advice. And something I, I try to reiterate all the time is go and, and do something you're passionate about. And you get students that ask you all the time, do I, do I need to do research for my application? Do I need to do this or need to do that? And the answer is go do what you think you'll enjoy. Because number one, hopefully you do enjoy it, <laughs> or or you're gonna find out that you don't like it. But if you do enjoy it, and you're not just out there checking a box for your application, what's gonna happen is on your application in your interviews that passion is gonna come through, and and your interviewer is gonna see that. Yeah, and you never know when things are gonna end up being relevant. I mean, I. Uh... For instance, I, you know, I worked in a radio station. Um, this was, you know, almost a decade ago at this point. Um, and at the time, you know, I was always been interested in radio. Um, 
you know, and then for years, that was something that I had loved that I cared about, but I never thought it would sort of end up being related to my professional life again. And then now, um, you know, working my own podcast, it, it has in this unexpected way. And I think that, you know, more than doing these things to fill out a resume is, is, um, doing the things that you love, help you figure out who you are. And they, they make you a, f- a full person with varied interests and they make you a better doctor at the end if that's what you choose because um, y- you have just a broader wealth of experience. And I think that in and of itself is just really important. Yeah. And so, in terms, oh, sorry. Go ahead. But one, one other thing I just wanted to say is in terms of thinking you have to have this one thing like research or, or, or something in particular. I mean, I did not have any research <laughs> whatsoever going into medical school. Um, because it wasn't something that had interested me uh, at that point at all. And I think that, yeah, I, I wouldn't do things just because you think that they'll want to see them. Yeah. Perfect. Let's let's jump ahead to where you are now. You're a, th- a third-year resident, correct? Yes. And where are you doing your residency? So I'm at Mount Sinai uh, Medical Center in New York City. Back in New York. <laughs> Back in New York, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and how did you get into to that residency program? And you're doing what are you doing again? Uh, I'm doing internal medicine. Okay. So what what led you down the internal medicine path and back to New York? Well, you know, I didn't. I, when I started medical school, I thought a lot about OBGYN um, initially, and mostly that was because I was interested in women's health. Um, but then with the theme of uh, not thinking ahead to what that actually that job actually means, when I got to be a third and fourth year, uh, it became apparent to me that I really wasn't as interested in being a surgeon as I was in being just a physician um, who's, uh, doing, who's doing, as they say, more thinking, less doing. Um, and in my third year uh, medicine rotation, I just found that I really loved it um, much more than I expected. Um, and I didn't dislike OBGYN, but I didn't really feel like I was as excited about being a surgeon. And I think that to be a surgeon, you have to really love that. Um, it's not something that you should do if you're lukewarm about it. Um, but I was much more excited by medicine. Um, I really liked the intellectuality of it, the diagnostic dilemmas. I really liked um, interacting with the sort of range of pathology and interacting with the range of people um, that it involved. Um, and so I, I figured out in, at that point that I really did want to do internal medicine. I, I thought about emergency medicine, which I also really enjoyed, but ended up going with uh, internal medicine. Just I liked having a little more time with the patients than, than you really get a chance to have in the emergency room, although I do like the emergency room as well. Um, and then in, in terms of coming back to Mount Sinai in New York, um, uh, I, I mean, part of me missed New York and uh, likes the East Coast, uh, even though San Francisco is wonderful as well. Um, and then, but within New York City uh, in particular, Mount Sinai had several things that really drew me to it. Um, the first is that they have a really amazing palliative care program. And I, even though I wasn't quite sure whether I would end up doing that as a fellowship or as a specialty, uh, I knew that that was something that was very important to me in medicine is that there is good end of life care and that those issues are well, um, 
you know, that those issues uh, have the support and the respect that they deserve. Um, so that was very important to me. Um, secondly, I felt that, so the medical school at Mount Sinai has um, what they call the HUMED program. Um, they're changing also known name. as FlexMed now. Exactly. I was like, I, they're changing had, their name. <laughs> I had Dr. Muller on and we talked all about FlexMed. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> so uh, you basically um, have a lot of medical students who had humanities backgrounds. And in association with that, um, Mount Sinai has now started um, uh, what they call the Academy, the Academy for um, for uh, Medicine and the Humanities. Um and that academy involves lots of electives and other programming around integrating humanities into medicine and sort of uh, capitalizing on all these interesting medical students who have these varied experiences and thinking about those intersections between art and science, which are really important to me. So um, that was a very big draw as well. I also liked Mount Sinai just because I, I felt that the residents were happy. It was a nice environment to work. Um, you know, all of that stuff that's important when you're looking at a residency program. Yeah, and th those are all great points, and that's why I wanted you to, to kind of talk about your your decision-making to get there and, and instead of saying, oh, it's it's the best program for XYZ, you kind of shared more of what you were picking apart in the program and, and how you actually went ab about it. Because I, I think as, as pre-med students, we always want to go to the best medical school, and then as medical students, we want to go to the best residency, and Oftentimes, what what I hear is, well, I, I went and interviewed at my best school, and I really didn't like them. <laughs> and there's a fit for everybody, and you you need to know what's going to fit for you. And and what you talked about is perfect about finding some uh, a program that had those end of life things, finding a program that had a humanities aspect. So that's that's great. So let's talk about your podcast. And and I found you through your podcast because I go and, and browse through the, the science and medicine section in iTunes. And there's this this podcast that was popping up number one in the uh, new and noteworthy section in the Art of Medicine podcast. So I took a listen to it and I, I was blown away by the first episode. And, and in the intro, I, I played a little bit of it for people to listen to. And talk about how you went about starting this podcast? Sure. Um, so I guess, uh, gosh, um, it, it all started about a, a year ago. So during my uh, uh, beginning of my second year of residency, I think intern year, you're, you're so uh, overwhelmed intern year figuring out how to be a, a doctor, really. And then intern year ends and things generally get a little bit easier and, and you have a moment to breathe and you think, okay, um, so let me remember sort of what I want to do. Let, let me think about, you know, who I am and what I'm doing here. And um, I, I actually have really enjoyed residency and I was very much enjoying what I was doing, but I felt that I really missed the sort of humanity side of things that I really, you know, missed, you know, that that integrative aspect of thinking of sort of all of the social sciences and arts that intersect with medicine. And I I really wanted to find a way to combine that with the medical work that I was doing. Um, so I got involved with the academy at Mount Sinai. Uh, and, the, and the first thing that I did is I taught a narrative medicine class. Um, uh, and, you know, narrative medicine is this very fascinating sort of burgeoning field um, 
that looks at sort of the the stories and the narratives that people tell um, that sort of define our experiences of health and illness and life and death and the hospital. Um, and those are stories told by patients about their illness. It's the stories of caregivers. It's the way that um, stories of illness are communicated to the to the population at large in film and movies and, you know, theater and music and sort of all of these stories about the human experience of health. Um, and so uh, that class was really a, a fun elective to teach. And I taught it to first and second year medical students. Um, but I, I felt like I wanted to be doing something even more proactive to that. And I and I thought back about working in, I uh, worked for a public radio station, uh, WAMU in Washington, D.C., which is the NPR station, or it is the public radio station that uh, broadcasts all the NPR shows in, in Washington, D.C. Um, and I work for uh, one of these shows. It was uh, sort of a, um, a show that talked, a, you know, it was a variety show with a host and guests and, um, sort of general broad topics, but uh, I love that, and I'm very interested in radio, and I just love radio and podcasts, and I'm a, a big addict. Um, and I thought with my background in theater and in writing um, and in the humanities that this might be the perfect media medium to to sort of show all of these intersections between medicine and the humanities, because it's those intersections that really interest me, that really motivate me. Um, so about uh, a year ago, a little more than a year ago, I came up with this idea that I was going to make a podcast. Um, but I had no idea how to do that. I don't know much about computers. I didn't have any equipment, no funding, nothing. Um, but I decided I was going to do this. And it took about almost a year um, before I got the first episode out. Um uh, but now I'm uh, hoping to release the fourth episode later this month. Um, they're coming out once a month. Uh, and it's been a phenomenal experience. And I've gotten really amazing feedback. And it's not, you know, producing it has been really fun and exciting. But what it's also allowed me to do is just meet with and interview all these interesting people who are doing great things sort of on the fringes of art and medicine just there's so much cool stuff happening out there, and this is a a way for me to to get a taste of that. It's really been exciting to see all the people who are, you know, the anatomist who is also a painter, um, you know, thinking about all these different topics, you know, from a different perspective. It's just been wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah, and I kind of have the same experiences with with this podcast of getting out there and talking to a lot of great people and, and just the, the experiences that I'm listening to and the experiences that the, the listeners get to listen to, I think is ultimately the, the benefit that your podcast is going to bring is to see that there's more than the, the day to day aspect of medicine. And, and, and let's be honest, medicine has a bad rap these days for the burnout and the, the dissatisfaction of of the the physicians out there. And I think your podcast and the people that you talk to just shine a whole different light onto it. And I think ultimately, and, and that's something I talked to Dr. Moeller about in the FlexMed 
uh, in the FlexMed podcast is is that we need the humanities back in medicine to to survive as physicians and and ultimately help patients. Absolutely, I think that um, there is a really sort of frightening trend um, these days. Uh, that is fueled by actually a lot of positive things, um, but is still very frightening to me. So, you know, as we go forward in medicine, there's uh, there's a lot more oversight, uh, it, particularly with qualitative quality initiatives nationally and um, and institution wide. There, uh, medicine is becoming more regimented, and and a lot of that is really important and good. And I'm not, and I I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, but it is changing medicine. It is making medicine um, a little less flexible than it was. Um, also, we have all this increase, increasing technology, which is phenomenal. And, um, you know, these electronic medical records, they're amazing and, you know, going to revolutionize medicine. Already, They already have. But they also, you know, change the interaction between the doctor and the patient. And they're another thing that sort of gets in the way of that human connection. And, these these changes, while they're really important and necessary, they're creating all these obstacles for how do you retain that that important human connection between the caregiver and the patient? It used to be very, you know, it used to be much easier. It used to be that, you know, many more doctors were primary care providers that were sprinkled throughout the country and they may know their patient for years and that was the primary doctor that that patient would would see for their whole lives. Um, and th- that was easy in a way because there, it was so easy to form those connections. And now people see many more specialists. They move around lo- a lot more b- between providers. Providers have to document and use electronic uh, medical records while they talk to them. There are all these more, more documentation requirements, more, you know, all of this stuff has, has changed medicine. And it's all it's all progress. It's all important, but we need to remember how do we retain that fundamental humanity that is just part and parcel of being a doctor. How do we remember what it means to to take care of another human being? And I would argue that the way to do that is to be very present and thoughtful about what we're doing, and to look back and to 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 think about health and illness from the patient perspective, to look at it from the perspective of historians and artists, um, you know, and all kinds of people who have really delved into these complex issues that that that's the way to, to retain that humanity and to, and to interact, you know, on that true human personal level with patients. Um, and, and so that's sort of what I'm trying to encourage. Yeah. And it's, it's a great message. So hopefully my listeners will go and check out your podcast. Why don't you tell them where where to find you? Sure. So um so the podcast is The Art of Medicine podcast. It's on iTunes. You can also go to the website which is just www.theartofmedicinepodcast.com. Um and there's a Facebook page as well. Um and so yeah, have a listen um uh and if you you know, have an impression, please feel free to leave a rating, leave a review. Um, and if you have any questions or ideas for me, um, you know, you can email me directly at faye at theartofmedicinepodcast.com. That's faye, F-A-Y-E. Um, I'd love to hear from anyone about their responses to the podcast, ideas they have, um, you know, anything really. 
Yeah, and I'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes, which people can get at medicalschoolhq.net slash 41. Well, folks, again, that was Faye from the Art of Medicine podcast. I hope you were able to get a lot of great information. I, I wanted her to kind of tell her story. Even though it was roundabout, I think it was very value, valuable to know that you, you don't have to go in a straight line to medical school. It's, it's not checking all the boxes to get there. It's those life experiences that are going to make you a better person and ultimately a better physician for your patients. And the ultimate goal is to get into medical school and and those life experiences that you enjoy are going to help you get into medical school, not just something that you think you need to do because that's what the medical schools are looking for. So hopefully, again, you got some great information. Everything that we talked about will be in the show notes. Again, medicalschoolhq.net slash 41. Go check out uh, Faye's podcast, The Art of Medicine podcast. Leave her a nice review and rating. Let her know you heard about her from, from us here at the medical school headquarters. That's it for today. Make sure to join us next time here at the medical school headquarters. 